Hello and welcome. This is the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. I'm Ben. I'm Craig. And I'm Derek. We are missing Tank this week. He's at, is he at his missions thing? Yes, conference? he's finding out if he's going to be a missionary. I thought that was so funny when he said that last week because like, we're all missionaries in our own context. Mm-hmm. But I knew what he meant. Yes. He meant like did overseas. You wanted Jesus juke him at the last minute. Yeah, no, I definitely did not want to. Because <laughs> he's like super excited. I and mean, I'm super excited for him. Like, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. And he didn't mean it in the way that I would have corrected anyway. So it was just funny. You want to be that guy. Apart words. It was like when I said uh, died and then ascended, but in, didn't say rose from the, the resurrection entirely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, I was going to say that earlier. But like, you knew what I meant. Yeah. Anyway. So we have some rather large news this week. Um, we are joining the Theology Mix network of oh, podcasts. Yeah. Woohoo. That's cool. Yeah. It's a fairly new podcast network. Uh, it comes out of the Theology Mix website. Jeremy Lundmark of um, After the Sermon fame is getting it together. So yeah. uh, we have joined the people there and we're quite excited to do that. Quite excited to see what this turns into. So if you're listening from Theology Mix, hello and welcome to yeah. Tech Reformation. <laughs> Tech you should know this week. Uh, first off, Samsung has released its new flagship phone, the Galaxy S7. Samsung revealed the new smartphone at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona this week, and it boasts many pretty sweet features, including a better camera, waterproofness, and an always-on AMOLED display. Did I just totally miss that last week, Derek? Yeah, yeah. There were a bunch of phones that got announced. Yeah, at Mobile World Congress. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I specifically missed Galaxy S7. Do you want to know why? Because I use the iPhone. (laughs) And Android phones are like a dime a dozen. Yes, well. True. But I hear this one's kind of cool. Samsung is is like the big Android manufacturer out there. So them and Xiaomi's starting to actually create some fairly cool phones now, so... There's that. I've but. always res- I've always respected Samsung as a brand, although I don't own many of their products. I think the only thing I own is a computer monitor, okay, um, full HD monitor, which is quite nice. But their TVs are great, right? Yes, they make the best TVs. HTC and Steam announced the new Vive Steam VR headset will cost seven hundred and ninety nine dollars and ship in early April. For you gamers hoping for a relatively inexpensive VR experience, prepare to be crushed because this headset comes at $200 more than its main competitor, the Oculus Rift. However, this does include those funky controllers and everything. Have you seen those controllers? No. They're funky. They're like we on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> like we the game, right? Not the, the game console. On steroids. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um who we should do an episode on VR. We did do an episode on VR. Oh wait, we did do an episode. <laughs> if you're interested in VR, let's listen to episode one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Amazon's free shipping will now cost you at least forty nine dollars. Amazon is continuing its push to get you to go prime by raising the amount you need to purchase in order to get free shipping from thirty five dollars to forty nine dollars. And that change happened earlier this week. Google wants to replace SMS. Texting has long been due for a makeover, and Google thinks it can give it the makeover it deserves. Let's hope so. Yeah. In a press release earlier this week, the GSMA, a global consortium of 800 carriers, announced that Google will help create a universal RCS, or Rich Communications Services, client that will be adopted by all the GSMA carriers. That's pretty exciting. I'm up for SMS to get a complete makeover. Me too. Google should do this with email too. I mean, for crying out loud, they've essentially made Gmail an industry standard. Why not just like make it open source or something? I don't think they'll ever get rid of Exchange though. Yeah, but still, I don't know. Facebook reactions is finally here. 
and chances are you've probably seen this already, but in case you are one of the lucky few not to have a Facebook, uh, Reactions is a new variation on the like feature, now incorporating various emoji-type reactions such as love, sad, or angry. And I found out today it speaks pirate. You can make the angry one say, Avast! (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how to do it yet, but I just saw that in my feed earlier today. I'm going to have to Google that. That's awesome. Oh, dear. And Facebook descends into the world of 13-year-olds. Dude, that's already the case. Online debates and drama take place on Facebook these days. Even more so. Mm -hmm. It's going to become Snapchat or something soon. Hey, don't diss Snapchat. It's cool. Uh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, never mind. Snapchat's the lamest. I don't know why anyone would use it. Just kidding, I do. Oh, man, that was the most snobby I think I've seen you. (laughs) Sorry, I just don't see the point of it. I get Instagram. I do not get Snapchat. Oh, man. I think Snapchat is just asking for sexting to happen amongst young teenagers, so I think it's like the bane of my existence. Foxconn plans and then pauses a proposed acquisition of Sharp. Uh, Sharp originally confirmed earlier this week that Apple's primary manufacturer was acquiring it, but Foxconn has since put the plan on hold, citing concerns over Sharp's financial future. Who's Foxconn? Foxconn. I don't know much about that. Foxconn is who makes much of Apple's stuff. Like, Foxconn is the manufacturer that Apple uses. Yep. And last this week... Microsoft acquires Xamarin, taking a long-time partnership to a more permanent level. Microsoft says it's acquiring mobile app development startup Xamarin for an undisclosed sum, giving the company a tool for building mobile apps that can work across iOS, Android, and Windows phones. Uh, Xamarin, which has 15,000 customers, including large brand names like Coca-Cola and JetBlue, allows developers to code in a single programming language while designing an app to look native to each platform. And it also offers a way for developers to test those apps using thousands of cloud-hosted devices. Xamarin is wicked cool. I have not gotten the chance to use it yet, but I've been wanting to. Um, And I think it's awesome that uh, Microsoft is continuing to roll out this same old strategy of like, if we can't make the best products or find the best people ourselves, buy we'll just buy <laughs> teams of good people who make good things and rebrand them under our name. And it's just funny. I don't know if they'll rebrand Xamarin, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. Mm-hmm. And that's all I got for a Tech You Should Know this week. Well, this week we are, instead of doing Tech You Should Use because of the longer topic in the last segment of the show, we are going to play a game as we transition topics. Are you guys ready for a game? You bet. Always ready for a game, although I usually lose if I'm not hosting them, so we'll see what happens. Well, it's just going to be a head-to-head, so I'm going to host the game and it'll be Craig versus Derek. Is that okay with you guys? It is, but that's what I'm saying. I may lose, but that's okay. (laughs) I think this one will be fun. Do you guys know Google Feud? That game that we play all the time? Yep. No, tell me more. uh, Yeah, well, okay. (laughs) If anyone's new, we play Google Feud all the time, which is basically you guess the search autocomplete on Google. So like if I type in the word food, then I might try to guess what the phrase will fill in as. And the the phrase autocompletes to whatever's the most searched on Google. Uh, And so we play this game called Google Feud where we try to guess them. This is Google Feud Christianity Edition. Nice. I'm so sad. So, I did not find this on the web. I literally came up with this. So, we'll see how it goes. Um, but I am on the Google homepage right now, looking at the autocomplete for three phrases, all related to Christianity. So, we're going to play Google Feud Christianity Edition. Are you ready? Here we go. Hang on. Just let me get my browser up. So, what we'll do uh, as we play this is just go back and forth. Craig, then Derek, Derek, then Craig. And I think we'll snake like that, if that's okay. All yeah. right. Okay, awesome. All right, here we go. Google Feud, Christianity Edition. The first phrase that I want the autocomplete for is, Jesus is. We'll go to you, Craig. 
God. Is it Jesus is God? No, I'm sorry, Craig. That's not it. That's not one of the heresy. He is man. They're wrong. Three. Whoever's typing (laughs) stuff into Google. Anyway, there are ten autocomplete options that I get when typing in Jesus is space, and one of them is not God. Oh wow. wow. People really need to brush up on the Trinity. Derek, it is your turn. All right. I'm going to go with Jesus is a prophet. Jesus is a prophet. That's an interesting guess, but it's incorrect. I'm Ah. sorry. All right. We'll go Derek again and then back to Craig to close out this round. Okay. Hmm. Jesus is a man. Jesus is a man is also incorrect. Man, I thought this would, uh, I thought this one would, would really, uh, Work well. We'll see. I've got two other phrases. Are we going too basic, maybe? Like, are we going too sort of surface Well, there are some phrases, for example, right? There's a couple that end with just, like, there's three out of these ten that end with just one word. Um, There's a couple that are, or I'm sorry, four out of these ten. And then there's a couple that are phrases after that, so. Craig, what's your answer? Jesus is... I'm I'm going to go with, on the topic of phrases, then, I'm going to go with uh, a good teacher. Jesus is a good teacher. That's a good guess, but it's incorrect. I'm sorry. No points this round. The answers are Jesus is, number 10, born. Number nine, on the main line. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Jesus is coming soon lyrics. Apparently that's a song. I I don't know that one. Jesus is Lord. I don't know why you guys didn't guess that. Of course. Jesus is waiting. I'm sure that's something super Arminian. Jesus is my rock. That's a good one. Mm. Jesus is the light. Another good one. Jesus is love. Oh, I was going to guess that, and I didn't. This second yeah, one, man, would have probably been my first guess. Jesus is a friend of mine. Have you guys heard that song? <laughs> yes. Oh, of course. Of course. Jesus is a friend of mine. Wow. All right. Anyway, I'll oh, record that or something. <laughs> and then the number one autocomplete on Google for Jesus is, is the reason for the season. Ah, of course. Uh, Which I wonder if that one's Google a little Christmas time bound. But yeah. I don't know. All right, round two. This one's going to get even more fun, I think. This one Uh-oh. is phrase two. Does God... And then you complete the question. Does God love me? Does God love me is correct. Yes. Good job, dude. Excellent. That's the number four answer. All right. So I'll give you more points for getting a higher up uh, item on the list, just in case we have a tie or something. Mm -hmm. So Derek has four points. Craig, your turn. Good work, Derek. Um, Can I go with my super controversial option that I think it might be? Yeah, you can do that. All right. Does God hate homosexuals? No, I'm sorry. That is incorrect. Well, I know, but I wanted to know if it was the right (laughs) (laughs) answer. Also, it's not an autocomplete. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, autocomplete option. Good guess. I, see, that I thought that would have been a popular thing to search. That would yeah, have been. Guess. What? Uh, what's your other answer, Craig? You get to go third. Exist? Does God exist? Does God exist? Is the number one answer. Good go. job, Craig. Yes. Very nice. So I get one point. This game is rigged. <laughs> yeah, I get four points. You get one. No, I, I think it's the other way around. No, you're going to get 10 points for that. And Derek is going to get six points. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> Um, hmm. Does God... Does God blank. Derek, your turn. These are so funny. I wish you guys could see them. I'm excited to read them off. (laughs) Does God make evil? Does God make evil? Interesting. There's got to be a better way to put that, but that's the only thing I could think of right now. I think think when you hear the answers, you're going to hear the one that I think you're going for. Unfortunately, Uh that's not right. And I would also say, as judge of this round... It's not close enough. Sorry. No problem. All right. No points for Derek that, that turn. So right now the scoreboard is Craig, 10 points. Derek, 6 points. Okay. Here are the answers. Does God blank? Can I do a guess that doesn't count for points? Yeah, go ahead. Is one of them something to do with enjoy football or something like that? No, it is not. Okay. <laughs> I thought it might be American sports culture. Should All right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Number 10 is hilarious. Does God have a sister? Okay. Um, In Mormonism, yes. Probably. Number nine, does God (laughs) hate me? That's really sad. Uh, Does God forgive divorce? Mm. The answer is yes, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, God forgives every one of everything if you repent and turn to Jesus. 
because he laid all of his wrath on his son, Jesus, in our place. Number, I don't know what we're on. Does God love everyone? That's an interesting question. Yes, but not in the same way. Does God test us? That's a good one, I think. Okay, and then here's Derek, the one I was referring to. Does God punish? Mm. I feel like that's close to what you were saying. That's not really what I was saying, but... Yeah, that's why I didn't give you the points. Sorry. (laughs) Good call. Number four, does God love me? You already got that one. Mm -hmm. Three, does God change his mind? Great question. Mm. Two, does God control the weather? And number one, as Craig said, (laughs) does God exist? I wonder what comes up when you Google, does God exist? Hopefully a good Christian apologetics website. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. What may not come up. All right. Third round for the win here. Number three phrase, third round. Here we go. Google Feud Christianity Edition. And we'll start... Who's starting this time? We'll start with Craig this time. Okay. And again, it's 10 to 6. Craig has the lead. The last phrase is, is Christianity blank? What do you guys think of these? Are these good? Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun game, but these are interesting queries. They're hard. Is is Christianity... This won't be it, but I'll... I'll just tell you both. There's some mean ones. There's some easy, obvious ones. Uh, Yeah, there you go. That should be... You could get a couple, I think. I'm going to go with, is Christianity loving? Is Christianity loving is incorrect. I'm sorry, Craig. Derek? Is Christianity the way? The way. Oh, man, that's close. But mm. no, I'm sorry. Derek, you is, get to go again. Oh, dang. Is Christianity... Is Christianity fake? Ooh. No, but mm. man. Sorry. Yay, I was going to go with that one anyway. Craig. I didn't know that one, but it's, it's, it's opposite. <laughs> Is Christianity true slash real? Uh, Do I have to pick one of those words? No, I'll let you. I don't know. I feel like you should have to pick one because it's Google autocomplete, but I'm going to let you. I'll say true. I'll say true out of those two. Okay. So you're saying, is Christianity true? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. That's not a, it is true, but that's not one of the Google (laughs) autocomplete answers. All right. uh, From the bottom, the top 10 autocomplete answers, is Christianity a culture? That's weird. Is Christianity growing? Is Christianity capitalized? Is Christianity a religion of peace? Close there, Mm. uh, Craig. Is Christianity dying? Growing and then dying is more searched. Interesting. Is Christianity monotheistic? Mm. It is. Is Christianity a cult? It's not. Is Christianity a religion? (laughs) Oh my goodness, really? Is is Christianity monotheistic or polytheistic? So, like, the number five was just monotheistic. The number uh-huh. two is monotheistic or polytheistic, which is interesting. Man, a lot of Muslims searching on Google. It sounds like it. And then the number one answer, Craig, I'm so sorry, is Christianity real? <laughs> oh, that Could hurts. have had another two Well, that's points. so stupid because, of course, it's real. I mean, it's a real thing, whether or not it's true or not. Like, it exists as a oh, as a yeah, religion. I see what you're saying. It would have yeah. been a better search to say true instead of real. Yeah, so the people who are typing that in are obviously lacking in some of the, you know, kangaroos in the top paddock, or <laughs> whatever term you want to use. Uh, okay, well, anyway, <laughs> Google Feud Christianity Edition over. The score is Craig 10, Derek 6. I'm sorry, Derek. Craig is the winner this time. Oh. Good job, brother. Yes. That's the first time I've won a game on Tech Reformation. That's a pretty epic moment. Congratulations. Virtual ha- handshake. <laughs> Thanks, Derek. Well played. It was pretty it was pretty close. Now, let's get into theology from the headlines. This week, we're going to talk about encryption. Encryption is a word that has become very politicized, and I'm not sure if folks anymore even know what it means because of the conversation and the direction it's gone. Um, But we're going to talk about it. We're going to try to explain uh, just at a beginner level what it is if you've never heard the word or you didn't hear it until recently. And then we're going to try and talk about it uh, with the recent debate that's been going on and uh, try to figure out how we should think about it as Christians. So, what is encryption? Do you guys have a 
Do you guys know? Do you have a succinct explanation? What have you thought about this? Encryption is math that's really tough to get into. That was a really bad description of what it was. <laughs> encryption, my description of encryption would be that it um, is a way of securing data so that it is basically impossible for someone to decrypt, which means uh, unjumble and read and understand. Sort yeah. Of. Yeah, that's great. There, uh, Yeah, there are various... Um, types of encryption for sure but at at the base level craig's totally right derek's right too um but it's just uh basically you can encrypt and decrypt something and if you want to uh send a message any message at all securely you might encrypt it send it to someone uh who then could decrypt it uh so that they could understand it but anyone who intercepts the message in between you and the other person wouldn't understand it because they wouldn't be able to decrypt it the way that you decrypt it is to have a shared secret is what they call it in the classroom uh and sometimes that's a password or a key phrase or even just the decryption method sometimes depends on the type uh but basically you're going to um securely transmit some message or some action you're going to want to encrypt it encrypt it and then uh the person who receives it will be able to decrypt it so that's encryption at maybe the highest level mhm and so, it gets more complicated from there so why is this important to what we're talking about this week I think it's important for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one is if you use the internet, you've used encryption and you just didn't know it. So all of the, or maybe you did know it and that's great. Um, all of the traffic on the internet for the most part is encrypted these days. So your email is encrypted. Um, any kind of e-commerce transaction you would use, uh, maybe to give a credit card, give out credit card information to Amazon or something like that, um, that's encrypted. Uh, basically, it's it is the security of the internet, if you will. Um, so it affects us uh, every day, probably. Um, but specifically, there's been a lot of concern lately around encrypted things like smartphones, because uh, there was a terrorist attack in the United States a few months ago now, I think, mm-hmm. um, in San Bernardino, uh, and one of the terrorists uh, was using an iPhone 5C. Uh, which Apple encrypts uh, their iPhones. And so that way, you're the only one that can get into your device with a passcode or so on and so forth. Basically, the process is if you try a wrong passcode enough times, it slows you down. You have to wait some time before the passcode lets you try again. And if you try it 10 times incorrectly, it wipes the entire phone. So all the data is just gone. That's and an the optional idea, setting, but yeah. True. It's the default setting though, right? No, it's not the default setting. You oh, I did not that know that. You, you choose that when you set the passcode. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah, right. So when you start, when you open a new phone, you set the passcode and decide that. Uh, but they, so they don't know if it's on or not, is that right? They don't know whether that feature is turned on on this particular phone? Right. Which so is interesting. Can, they may be able to try more than 10 times and it might be fine. Chris, so they'll have to they, wait 2,000 years, but sorry. <laughs> the they that Craig is referring to is the FBI. Uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigation in the United States wants to get into this terrorist's phone so that they can potentially stop other terrorist threats if there are uh, others planned or, or things like that. Uh, just any information that they feel like could, could help them um, stop terrorism, basically, is is the goal. Um, and so the issue is they've asked Apple, and I think a court has ordered, uh, that Apple would um, make that information available to the FBI I don't believe they've mandated a method in which to do that, but it is the whole thing surrounds encryption because the device is encrypted. If they allow someone to get through the passcode lock or even the data destruction, uh, then that tool's been created and it could be reused in in another scenario. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of the hotly disputed issue. So what's what's generally being asked, what's specifically being asked of Apple for this phone is that... The FBI would have the ability to try as many pa- to basically brute force the passcode. So right. what that means is try every single possible passcode you can on that phone, um, which is like ten thousand or so. Um, since mm-hmm. it's, I think it's a four-digit passcode. Yep. So, but but because the iPhone slows you down in trying to guess these uh, these codes every what, like three, after three uh, errors, you like get delayed by a minute. And then if you make another error, then you go five minutes or 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know. At some point. Be, yours must be like, <laughs> Ben just tried this and uh, it hasn't slowed him down at all. So I don't know what the deal is there. I'm going to keep trying while we talk. Okay. Good luck. Uh, if you do it 10 phone. times and wipe your phone, don't blame tech for information. <laughs> no, they warn you before they wipe the device. Yeah, they do. Which, by the way, if... Oh, okay, here we go. I think I tried it 10 times and it says iPhone is disabled. Try again in one minute. That must and be the, a thing when Touch ID is enabled because it didn't used to be that long. Yeah, and then the time between, the interval between attempts increases the more you guess wrong, mm -hmm. and eventually it'll wipe the entire device, depending on how you have that set. Exactly. And the FBI also wants the ability to do this either wirelessly or through the lightning port, so that they don't have someone getting carpal tunnel trying to enter in as many passcodes as they possibly can. So they want Apple to take away the time limit, um, or the or the destruction of the data, uh, and they want to be able to do it through hardware means, as opposed to using the touch screen, which you know, and and you can brute brute fo brute force the phone that way. Brute force. So the the big issue is <laughs> if the auto erase function is turned on on this phone, uh, after ten failed attempts, it wipes the whole device. Mm -hmm. So that's, obviously it's not turned on on mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So back Definitely. to what the court has asked for Apple to do. Mm -hmm. um, they want either to create a version of, of iOS, which, uh, which can be brute forced. So remove the time limit and remove the uh, auto-destruct, self-destruct thing. Um, or they want a, basically the phrase backdoor is being used. Uh, so a way that in the operating system you could get through the passcode if you knew a mm -hmm. shared secret or a uh, different override technique or something like that. Currently, you can't get through it. That is what this is, though, right? The the brute forcing ability is the backdoor, I think, is what they're, uh, what they're calling this. Yeah, no. So there's they've asked for one of three things, I think is the case with okay. the, the court. Okay, so they've asked the court has asked for three things um from Apple. One, bypass or disable the feature that automatically erases all data on the iPhone after ten incorrect attempts to type in the four or six digit passcode. Two, allow the FBI to connect an external computer to the iPhone to automatically run an unlimited number of passcode combinations in an attempt to discover the correct passcode. And as Derek said earlier, a four-digit passcode has 10,000 possible combinations. Uh, if they run all 10,000 at once, they can get in, no matter what the passcode is. Um, but because of the, the measures that we've talked about earlier, you can't do that or it'll wipe the phone. Or it just will never let you in. And then three is ensure the encryption software does not introduce any delays between passcode attempts beyond what is built into the phone's hardware, about 80 milliseconds. Which is important if you're setting up a computer to try and brute force it. Mm -hmm. So these are this is three things that the F FBI wants Apple to do. Um, otherwise, right. uh, if if they just do one, it's not terribly gonna. It's not gonna be very effective for them. So why is this a big deal? Uh, the FBI gets or law enforcement gets uh, software companies to comply with helping get data on whatever they have a warrant on all the time why is this different well yeah so this is getting into the big issue and i mm -hmm. to me the issue is privacy versus security um and you know i mean that's just that's that's what it seems to always come down to with technology things mm -hmm. like this uh where you know we want the security aspect of stopping terrorists and yet we want the privacy aspect of the government not having the data we don't want them to have mm -hmm. and they do have a lot of data on us um but you know we should at some level we should have people say we have the rights to decide what that data is uh and maybe we'll talk about that presupposition i don't know uh as we get into it well and the the I would say that this is even more about privacy versus security. I think this is choosing what kind of security we want to have as uh, as citizens. Um, it seems to me there's been a slow uh, a slow climb towards the government from from the okay. So there's there's two extremes where we all have you know it's basically anarchy, and then the 
where the government has access to everything and can do whatever it wants. We've been having a slow decline into the government gets whatever it wants by just asking for it in public. And the public's like, yes, please take our stuff. Um, because they're, because they, the government brings out cases like this to establish, uh, some kind of precedent so that they can continue to do it more. So they bring out these emotional arguments with terrorists are bad. Of course, we want to know more about them to, so we need to be able to access their data. But then that also goes into law enforcement across the country can take this data as well. Yeah, the more specific issue with this, with regard to this um, encryption San Bernardino situation is if a tool is built um, to break through this device, or if a version of iOS is built that allows you to get through this device, then it exists. Right now, it doesn't exist. No one at Apple knows how to do it. They would have to build it. Uh, and if it's built, it exists. And so I heard a lot of, I've been listening to and reading a lot of people talk about this this week because I knew we were going to talk about it on the show. Uh, and a lot of people have said, you know, it's basically like every cyber terror movie ever. <laughs> it's like they mm -hmm. have to go find that one master key that unlocks everything. And then once they find that, they can do whatever they want on the internet. And so it's like uh, they got to break in maybe the big heist scene where they break in and grab the encryption decryption key, and then they've got access to everything they could ever want. So um, that thing doesn't exist yet, which is why it's always been fiction movies. If Apple makes it, it could theoretically be used on any iPhone anywhere by anyone who wants to, if they have it, right? And so that's sort of the big concern, security-wise, um, that people have brought up. Derek, I think I know which way you fall on this one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that we all agree either, which is fine. Yeah, do we want to lay our cards on the table right now and talk about it? Or uh, do we want to keep our, our hands to ourselves at the moment? You can say. Okay, so my, so my cards my cards on the table are Apple is completely right in this one, and the government is overstepping its bounds. And what this will lead to is not restraint by the government uh, in having the power to do this one thing and one thing in isolation. This will lead to, I mean, there's already been stories coming out where there's there's like 12 other cases across the country already that are like, well, we're just waiting for this to go through and then we can ask for our back door as well um, and and we'll be able to get it. So this, while the FBI is saying that they're asking for this this one phone in particular and their intent is not to get into any other phones. Um, the consequence of having this pass through the court system in the FBI's favor is that there is now a legal precedent for uh, law enforcement companies to come to come tell Apple to give them the ability to crack into someone's phone. So I am... I, I would be against the FBI in this case, that while terrorism is a bad thing, using emotion, emotional cases don't make good policy. So I was with you 100% earlier this week until I read the article from World Mag, which is in uh, the show notes this week. You can read it for yourself if you want. Um, and... I, don't, I think it was either tweeted by Russell Moore or Albert Moeller, and I saw it and thought, man, I should probably read this. So I did. Um, they make some very um, intelligent arguments on the opposite side, uh, mm -hmm. and there are intelligent arguments on the opposite side. I, I, I've been listening to a lot of people in the tech world who are just like, this is so stupid. Why would we ever think <laughs> anything other than what I currently think? Yeah, right. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, Let's actually have a conversation. How about that? Instead of just demonizing people who disagree with us. There has been a lot of that. I, I will admit that. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, anyway, they make some good, good arguments. Uh, one of which is, you know, because this guy is a terrorist, um, the FBI legally has access to the, the information. They've gotten a search warrant. Uh, they have probable cause. Uh, they, I mean, Legally, they're they're allowed to access this information in an attempt to uh, strengthen or enable national security, and and I see that um, 
I see that need as being really important. I do want to stop terrorists. I think everybody does. I don't think anybody would say they don't, unless they are one. Um, but, you know, we just have to consider that side also. It's not quite a monolith one issue item where it's like, oh, you know, privacy, 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 Apple's right. Although there are very good arguments on the other side as well. So I don't know if I've made my mind up yet again on this one. Sorry. Craig, do you want to say anything? Being from outside the country. Yeah, being from outside the country. What's your perspective? On yeah, that I've kept I've kept pretty quiet until now um, because I would generally side with, uh, like Ben was just saying, that he thinks um, one of the big priorities is to, to keep national security uh, paramount in terms of protecting people from terrorism. I obviously think that's a good thing too. Um, no one likes a terrorist. Let's be honest. Um, but in this situation, I uh, there's a lot of me that feels like Derek's um, reaction is fair. Uh, and so I, it's not as clear cut for me as it normally would be. Normally, I'd say um, rightly or wrongly. Some I've said that a couple of times in the last two weeks. Um, the theonomists would disagree, but uh, we live in countries that are controlled by governments. Um, the governments, at the end of the day, we can elect a different government, but the government will actually do what it wants to do generally. Um, sometimes what they do is not the right thing to do, and sometimes it's it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this situation, if the government really wants what's in that phone, they'll probably get what's in that phone. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so is it right that they do that through certain means? Maybe not. Um, in terms of if I think asking Apple to disable its security and then just hand back the phone to the FBI and go, here you go, now you can have your way with it. I think that is really dangerous. Um, My question is, it says that to do the brute force approach, which is running a computer um, through all the various combinations, possible combinations, until it finds the correct one, which in order to be able to do that, they would have to disable the, um, you know, incorrect 10 times and then it Mm -hmm. wipes the phone or whatever it is. Um. If they said that that would only take an hour to run the combinations. Mm-hmm. So I think what needs to happen on a, in a situation like this where it's actually not a win-win, it's never going to be a win-win for everyone. Um, I think the only logical solution, which would be time-intensive and painful, but is the only way that security can be kept paramount, would be for... Apple employees to and FBI employees to be in the same place at the same time. The Apple guys develop what they need to develop um, and essentially make the phone accessible to the FBI, run the combinations, pull the data from the phone, and then um, wipe the phone. And Apple gets to keep the phone and make sure that the software they installed on it is not used again by anyone else. Mm-hmm. So that's... Um, that's what I was saying earlier, that there's a problem with that approach. And it is, what people are saying who agree more with Derek in this, not that I don't, um, is that once the tool exists, it can be used again. Right now, it doesn't exist. No one knows how to do it. They haven't even tried. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once it exists, you know, suppose you create this software. Let's just speak in broad terms for the sake of conversation. Suppose you create this thing that that unlocks the phone. You use it once and then you destroy it. The problem is there are people in the world now who know how to create this thing. So like, kind of like Alex was saying last week, uh, say the the Russian mafia goes to this Apple engineer's house and gives them a million dollars or a billion dollars to do it again, or threatens their family worse. You know, it's like once it's done, in a sense, there isn't an undoing on this kind of a thing. No, uh, but by the same token, I mean, wh- what, there's a presupposition there or an assumption that's being made that because Apple created the software, currently they are the only ones who would be able to um, break through it and therefore someone like the Russian mafia could come to, you know, it, on American soil and extort the information out of whoever was involved in the Apple breaking into it. There are extremely smart people all over the world. So I think the presupposition that no one else outside of Apple will ever be able to work out how to hack the system is itself one that is not a perfect science. Do you know what I mean? Like people, are, I think it sounds like people are assuming that because Apple created created it, they would definitely be the only ones to be able to hack it. That's just not the case. It's not how hacking works. Well, there um, is, there is like, what this specific thing would take is to have an 
a version of iOS that is signed by Apple. Like it needs to have Apple's official stamp of approval. Um, so in some, are you case, sure? Are you sure there's no backdoor for that that could be hacked and created? Well, like who a, knows? a false signature by Apple. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. But, People are very, very intelligent who are doing these things, who are hacking things like this, or or reworking software to do serve different purposes. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit naive to expect that how Apple has set it up to work in terms of security is the only way that it will ever work in perpetuity until Apple are the ones who then change it. Mm-hmm. I think there's every chance that at some point in time, after enough time has passed that this particular security system has been in place, someone else with ill intent will find some way around it. That's why Apple keeps doing these things every three or four iterations of iOS. They change the way that it works. Yeah, but the issue is not that uh, the security system of the passcode lock is... Uh, unbreakable by someone else. The issue is the encrypted data, right? Apple has the shared secret that decrypts that data, plus the security system of the passcode lock. What's what's your point? It, it would, like Derek is saying, it would take. He said stamp of approval. It's more of a digital stamp of approval. Yeah, it would take someone there <clears throat> with the ability to do what you're talking about. Uh, it, it's twofold. It's not just one. It's not a monolith. It's not like. Let's just get a really smart computer hacker and he can do it. Right. It has to be approved by the, the there's there's a tie to that that Apple puts into its its software that only it can have its uh you know the code that Yeah, yeah, no. I understand that concept. I understand what you're both saying there. What I'm saying is anything um all right, let's use another analogy. Mhm. Uh in in the physical world um, a solid object is a solid object. You cannot adjust it and change it. You can't, like a, a brick, say, is always going to be a brick. You can use that brick for different things. You can change the shape of the brick, but you're never going to just make it into something else. Software is a lot more malleable than that. So I get that Apple has a digital signature type of arrangement that means that their version of the software is the only valid version that allows it to work on the platform of the iPhone. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, so I understand there's two levels. There's there's getting into the phone through the passcode mm-hmm. thing, and then there's the are you an actual verified Apple person or Apple you know um, piece of software that will get you to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm saying, I, yeah, just because there's two of them, I still don't think that that may, means that no one else in the world will ever be able to figure out how to crack that thing. Nothing is impossible in terms of like in terms of. It's very, very difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. And it wouldn't probably be just one guy in his bedroom figuring out. Right. But if you had a team of guys trying to work out, like intensely working on how to get around Apple's two, um, two-tier security system, I would, I would be very hesitant to say that they would never crack the code. Do you know what I mean? So I would speak. disagree. <laughs> I don't think it works the way that you're thinking it works. Let me, uh, let me uh, read something from uh, the Macworld article. Article. Why is Apple refusing to unlock the phone? That wasn't what Apple was asked to do. Apple actually has no way of unlocking a, uh, an iPhone, unlocking a locked iPhone. Apple does have a way to extract data from a device running iOS 7 or, or earlier without having to unlock the phone. Apple has done this before uh, for law enforcement and with a proper court order. Another filing by the government estimates at least 70 times. But starting with iOS 8, the data on an iPhone is encrypted by default as soon as you enable the passcode feature. Uh, Since the terrorist's iPhone 5C is running iOS 9, the only way to access the encrypted data it holds is to unlock the phone with the passcode. Since the owner of the the phone doesn't know the passcode, uh, the employer, it it was a, the terrorist was using a phone uh, provided by his employer who doesn't know the passcode, and Apple doesn't know the passcode, and the terrorist is dead, uh, the FBI is stuck trying to crack the passcode through brute force. So what it's saying is, since version iOS 8, sorry, since version 8 of iOS, gosh, um, you can't get into an encrypted iPhone and get the data without the passcode. That's the issue. Yeah, I understand that. Um, So it it comes down to whether or not encryption is ever uh, bypassable by any means. Yeah? Like, so whether anyone in the world anywhere can ever figure out a way to get around the encryption. Mm-hmm. That's what... So you guys are saying that would just never happen. Like, there's no possibility of someone cracking the encryption method that Apple's used. Well, there's always 
a chance. I mean, there's always a right. chance with Thank anything you. that can be hacked. But yeah, okay. but the point is that there there are security measures that make it nigh impossible to. It, it's not really yeah. the issue here. I would yeah. One, it's not really the issue. Great point, Derek. Two, I would say if this chance exists, I'm using air quotes. Uh, we are significantly underestimating <laughs> the uh, percentage possibility of that actually happening. Mm-hmm. Like 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 it would take a room full of supercomputers. <laughs> like it's not. You don't just put a bunch of smart people together and then they can decrypt something that's encrypted. It's like. You yeah, need to that. be either the owner of the data, the sender of the message, or the receiver of the message when it comes to encryption. You have to know the shared secret at the at the high level um, conceptual idea of what encryption is. And if it's yeah. encrypted and meant to be a one way thing, like it's not. I don't but know. The if what secret, you're saying was possible. The shared secret is the passcode, right? Um. Yeah, I don't know how that, that works because I that's think that's sort of how you phrased it before. Which the passcode can be found out through brute force methods. Well, but not True. with the way that Apple does but it. Not with because... the way iOS works. No, but okay, yeah. So we're back to before. I think I think what I'm what I was getting at back then was just, um, I think there's like a there's like the two tier approach. The password is very very difficult if you weren't to use the brute force method, right? To to manually go through every possible passcode combination mm-hmm. is going to take way too long. It's too difficult. And you run the risk of wiping the phone. Mm-hmm. Correct. So, what I'm saying is, and I'm not saying this is a perfect solution either at all. I don't think there is a perfect solution in this situation. And I think it will eventually come down to, do you prefer um, security or privacy? I think we've already sort of talked about that Um either or and i think that's probably where the conversation will end up um but what i'm saying is i think the only potential solution would be to have the situation which ben said would be impossible because once it's been created then it exists which is for apple to allow the brute force attack and then remove the possibility of the fbi at least having access to do that to any other phone um because it's Apple's proprietary software that's being messed with in order to enable the brute force attack. So I think Apple should be allowed to retain the control of what happens with their software. Um, and that's part of their privacy issue. But in saying, so then the, then the conversation turned to, oh, but what if the person or persons, multiple Apple employees who are involved in allowing the passcode to be brute force attacked um, are then extorted somehow and the information's got out? Like... Uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, that's the part where I'm saying I, I still am not 100% sure that that could never be done any other way, that non-Apple employees might not come up with some way of getting around the passcode thing. But just say they couldn't, um, maybe this is needs to be a catalyst for Apple to look at because um, this is a situation that could happen with any crime, serious crime, mm-hmm. um, that we we need to get into someone's phone. It's not limited to terrorism or international terrorism um and so maybe this is something that apple apple needs to um consider in the longer term either that they have some kind of rotating security system for different ios releases so that it's not um easy to just kind of pinpoint oh that's how apple does it we can attack that and then once we've got that we've got it sorted for the next 10 years we can lock in we can hack into any iphone Mm -hmm. Um, so they need to have some kind of secret system. But I guess sooner or later, you're trusting Apple employees, aren't you? Yeah. Apple employees are the ones creating the software and the security measures that go with it. So somewhere along the line, there's a level of trust placed in the people creating that software to not do anything wrong with it. Right? Well, and we not- should but- say that all of, the tech co- all of the major tech companies, I think this is true, Derek, tell me if it's not, have come out supporting Apple. Yeah, there's like we, Google, so we, Facebook, Microsoft, everybody that yep. that would have your personal data and could do something like this has come yep. out staunchly in favor of Apple. And and that was sort of uh, brought to a climax when right after Tim Cook uh, posted the letter to customers on the Apple website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And and to your to your point, Craig, I I can almost guarantee you i'm sure i'm sure there's a division of apple that is now 
dedicated to making sure that Apple can't do this for the FBI in future versions of iOS, that they can't sideload uh, a new version of iOS on without uh, having the the passcode or, or without having the user's permission. Um, I think that's how the fingerprint sensor works ever since they added Touch ID. Yeah, I'm not entirely clear on that. There's There's so much information in this case that it yeah. is... It is incredibly nuanced, as I'm sure most controversial topics are. But uh, we, yeah, did, we did link a Macworld F, FAQ down in the show notes. If you want to like see, okay, here are the facts. This is what's going on. This is how you figure out, you know, where does Apple stand? Where does F, where does the FBI stand? What are the technical bits of this explained in a fairly, you know, fairly plain English? Um, <laughs> there's so much information. It's uh, I'm kind of tired yeah, of hearing about this topic. <laughs> and that, well, that was one of the things that I wanted to bring out at the very beginning of us talking about this is even if the three of us, and we aren't, which is always fun, but even if the three of us came out together on the same side of the issue and it was just like, kind of like the tech world, is, some of the people in the tech world are doing, this is obvious, there's only one way to think about it and you're stupid if you disagree with me. Even if we all did that, it's nuanced. Like you, There are strong arguments on both yeah, sides. Right. You can't just yeah. say like people who disagree are stupid. It's not that simple. That's all I wanted to say. Um, I do, as we kind of wrap this one up, let's transition to sort of the theological aspect, um, specifically, overtly. Um is this a moral issue for a Christian? Uh, is there a reason why the government should or should not be able to do this? Is there a reason why Apple should or should not do this from a biblical, moral, ethical standpoint that you guys can think of? Well, I would argue that uh, the theology of total depravity can come into play in this scenario, that where there is great power to that the FBI say that the FBI is requesting, for instance, um, total depravity can easily come, come to light that men are sinners and that with, with great power, there is likely going to be a corruption of power. And that is a slippery slope argument to some extent, but, um, as we've seen, you know, ever since nine 11, um, there's been kind of a more grasping of of governmental power, and and to some extent, you don't know what at some point you don't know who's going to be in office and who's going to be, uh, you know, who's going to have the access to this stuff, and having too much power in one place, I think, is a dangerous thing because men are sinners. That's my thoughts on it. I don't know. What do you think? I uh. It's funny that you were saying that about power and depravity. I think there actually are really good systems, as good as they can be, in place uh, to avoid something like that. I mean, catastrophic issue on a national level. I think, for example, of uh, the checks and balances built into uh, the American political system. Uh, and I know that they aren't quite <laughs> what they were intended to be, maybe in some cases, especially mm -hmm. lately. Uh, but with the three branches of government, uh, executive, judicial, and legislative, and each having different responsibilities and checks over each other, um, things like what you're talking about should be harder, at least, mm -hmm. uh, although not impossible. Yeah. Um, certainly, you can imagine a system with a monarch who is not a benevolent one, mm -hmm. uh, where, I mean, it could just be complete catastrophe and chaos. Craig, any thoughts? Um, I don't know. It's kind of, this one's hard for me. Because I'm not an American, and so I don't. Uh, you I don't have to care as the much. The whole privacy. No, yeah. Well, no, it's not that I don't care. Um, and sorry if I've come across as snarky. I'm extremely tired. Not that that's a good excuse. Um, <laughs> no but problem. I guess I, I don't really understand. Um, there seems to be a funny uh, way of thinking in America where privacy is seen as almost an idol. Um, like we all need a certain level of privacy. We're entitled to that, and I think people are entitled to privacy. I'm not saying they're not, but. Um, it's almost like people are more jealous for for their rights in America. Everyone's everyone's always worried about what they can get for them and what they can hold on to. Um, and maybe it's just different ways the government works. I'm sure there are people like that who are worried about the Australian government in the exact same way. It's just not how I live my life. Like, mm -hmm. I'm sure the Australian government has information on me. They may even have some that I don't know they have. Um, but it it doesn't affect the way I live day to day. 
I don't have anything to hide. So um, other than my, you know, bank details, <laughs> um, <laughs> in terms of my day-to-day activities, I, I'm not doing anything criminal. I'm not, you know, I'm not putting myself into situations where I can be seen as a terrorist or anything like that. So I, I, I feel like, yes, I like to enjoy a level of privacy, but it's not something that I am constantly um, fearful of in terms of losing the level of privacy that I currently enjoy. Whereas it feels to me like America um, has a different sort of societal bent towards the privacy issue where people are more concerned that their privacy is much more under threat. And maybe that's to do with things like the NSA and and whatever that are already in place. Mm -hmm. Um, And you guys can probably tell me if that's true or not. Well, I really appreciate the comments from a more objective perspective mm-hmm. uh, be- because you may be right. I don't know. I hope that that's not me. I think every Christian listening to this has some, especially American Christians, has some serious heart work to do uh, over the next week thinking about whether or not we do idol, pri- uh, idolize privacy um, because those are sobering words, frankly. Uh, and so definitely appreciate the, the comment. Um, I would say... You know, I don't know. It could be a result of some of the things that have happened lately. I just think, and I don't want this to be a slippery slope argument. I don't think it is. Um, I think it's different. But, uh, you know, I just tend to think in the realm of like, I used to think I don't have anything to hide, so I don't care. And I thought that Mm -hmm. about like Google. Like, I'm going to use all of Google's stuff because the worst thing they can do is sell me better ads or show me better ads, so I'll buy things that I actually want that might make my life better or easier or whatever, right? Which is fine. You know, they can have all the information they want, my photos, whatever. Because it's like, I don't have anything to hide. I'm not a terrorist. I'm not like a, you know, (laughs) for lack of a better phrase, I'm not a bad person. (laughs) Anyway, um, anyway, used to think that. And then somebody really, uh, libertarian friend, really challenged me on it uh, and, and brought up some good points that I'm not going to repeat because I disagreed with a lot of them. But one thing I thought of as you were talking is, what about a Christian living living in Rome in the first century? You know, I mean, the government really started to have quite a lot against them. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that Christians in America are persecuted at all. I don't think I've been persecuted ever because of being a Christian. Um, but I would not be surprised if that... Uh, that future day is out there, or if there are countries in which uh, that is a serious concern. It definitely is in the Middle East, um, and obviously that persecution is has nothing to do with uh, personal data right now. Um, but I think of some uh, government in the past or even in the future uh, where that, that could be a, a big issue, and so it's definitely something worth talking about and thinking about. And I'm definitely not saying, I hope it didn't come across that way, that all Americans idolize um, no, no, no. I don't think privacy. I, I'm that just way. saying. I think th- there seems to be more of a focus on it, and so I guess it's a question, like we said, that that could be asked for if if someone finds himself in the situation where personal privacy is is always at the forefront of their thinking. I think mm-hmm. in some ways it is just a difference in political makeup. Like, um, if you ask me, for example, what are the core tenets of the Australian Constitution, I wouldn't be able to roll them off to you. Whereas Americans are taught, um, you know the the all the amendments and and stuff um yeah you taught about the founding fathers in school and like we we learn australian history but it's different like we're not as focused on um what should i be looking out for as my fundamental um you know things that make me an australian and and that you know or that make me sort of um a valid uh validated member of australian society in terms of having these sorts of rights and stuff mm-hmm. we just kind of generally know that we have a right to feel safe and a right to um you know be protected by um law enforcement and and all those kinds of things that are sort of normal part of living in a a non um third world country um so you're just raising a concern that maybe uh in general let's generalize that's always safe yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, in general, maybe nationalism is more a part of identity of Americans than other other uh, parts of the world. Maybe I, I can't say because I, I, like I've never visited America. All I hear is stuff that I hear from podcasts and, and people <laughs> and stuff I see on TV. Which TV is never a good um, way to read a real world situation. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think ultimately we should all be concerned about privacy, no matter what country we live in um, and security. I guess. 
And security. And that's the thing. I think in this situation, we do have a scenario where those two are going head to head. Yep. And so I do wonder if it's people are wanting their cake and eating it too, if you know what I mean. And I mm. think that, that you can't always have that. And that sucks. It's not a good thing that, that we can't always have both things going our way. Um, but I don't actually know, for example, for someone who's who's really anti-terrorism, but also really pro-privacy, what is their answer for this issue? Well, they don't. They probably don't have one. I'm guessing. Mm. Yeah, it is definitely a difficult difficult <laughs> issue. And Let so, me... if you don't have an answer, you may need to make a concession. I guess that's what I'm trying to. Say. Sure. Mm. Let me add one thing. I realized as we were talking, we shouldn't, in our Western mind, make it so in- individualistic either. As you're searching your heart this week, if that's something you feel like you need to do. Uh, maybe tell a Christian friend about it or somebody at church or someone in your community uh, so that it's more of a living in community kind of thing because uh, the discernment process isn't always best when we're by ourselves. So This is true. Does, do you want to say anything else, Derek? No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good on the topic, okay. I think. Yeah, I think we beat that one to death. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good to not talk about this for a while. <laughs> it was good. To, I like. I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. I did, but yeah. um, I've talked about it with enough people, and I've heard about it on enough podcasts now that I am. I've got the. I've got the typical American burnout of a big news story. <laughs> you know, Americans have such such short attention spans, and mine's starting to kick in. So, Derek, the question is: Which do you value value more, privacy or security? I value both of them, and I think it is there is more security in the government not having access to every single thing. And I think there's more security in siding with Apple on this issue. Because, frankly, I don't think there's anything on the phone that is interesting. There's more the personal security, but what about national security? So do you value personal security or national security higher? In this case... I don't think there's much national security writing on this iPhone case. I think this is a legitimate excuse to be able to get into more phones that they want to. It, what if it was the Because it's a work phone. Attacks. How much are they going to have on a work phone? <laughs> but what if it's the 9-11 attacks and it was a personal phone? Yeah, well... I, I mean, still... it's a what if, right? But what all I'm saying is there's um, any other scenario that involves data on an iPhone could, could easily take place. So, mm-hmm. yeah. What would you do in those situations? Mm. I'm gonna go. It's with- okay if you haven't changed your mind. That's allowed. <laughs> oh no, 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 definitely. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna stick with this scenario because once we get into a different scenario, I may have to re- I may have to think about it again. Yeah, that's fair. But- hypotheticals, hypotheticals, man. Yeah, hypotheticals will kill you. I think it's uh, C.S. Lewis who said something about. Uh, it's foolish to talk about how things could have been or would have been because the Lord's sovereign and he did it the best way it it needed to be done for his glory and the good of his people. And ultimately, that's what we need to remember in this case. Whichever way this goes, uh, this is the way that God intended and um, all all will be done to his glory. And we have to... In such a way that he didn't author the sin. Right. Right. You guys got any recos? I've got one. Uh, it's Crashlands. It's a mobile game on iOS, and it has restored my faith in mobile games. I will say that much. Go check it out. It's five bucks. No in-app purchases. Cool. I've also got one. It's a music reco this week, and I'm going to reco a band called Anchor in Braille. Um, they are at like a spin-off, I guess, or the the front man of Amberlin, Stephen Christian, it's his new band that ah, is in cool. post Amberlin. Um and they've got an album. They've got a couple of like an EP and an album, I think. I downloaded their album the other day. It's called Songs for the Late Night Drive Home. And it is the perfect driving music. So uh it's quite it's kind of synth pop rock mix hybrid. Um but I'm digging it. It's good. It's relaxing. So yeah, check it out if you're into something like that. A little bit mellow. And I would like to recommend 
the YouTube video, Jesus is a friend of mine. Just <laughs> click it. It's short. Watch Jesus it. Jesus is my friend. Yes, yes, you Have will love it. Have a friend in Jesus. Yes, you will love it. Man, I've watched that thing on repeat a time or two. Not lie. <laughs> so fun. Uh, he taught me how to live. Maybe we can play it at the end of the show. And if you would like to connect with us, jump in our Slack channel, slack.techreformation.com. It's booming. You can follow us on Twitter, tweet us, retweet our stuff, share us with other people on Twitter. Our handle is at techreformation, and our Facebook is facebook.com slash techreformation. Feel free to love and or sad our posts. And or avast. Avast. You can also head to our website, techreformation.com for uh, another way to get the latest episodes and look at the tags for topics you can also now find us on theologymix.com and um, get a load of some of the other good podcasts I've got on there I know um, Coram Deo and After the Sermon and there's a few other um, good authors and things writing blog posts so that's right I I should probably link that at some point I'll get to it and if you want to email us send us an email at ask at techreformation.com also, please review us on iTunes. We really need those reviews. It helps us a lot. Give us nice words and lots of stars, please. This has been Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. This has been the week from hell. I'm, <laughs> I'm zonked. Okay, you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. It's just it's been a week. I've been really excited to get here. Today was just oh, good. It's been a week. Cherry on top. <laughs> it has been a week. <sighs> it's always been a week. Yeah, but this is this is a week. Drowning my sorrows in sixty minute IPA. One of those weeks. I've just decided. I'm going to wear a tie for the rest of this episode. <laughs> From the punk rock Backwards. band days. That's right. You're so casual while trying to be formal, too. It's edgy, man. I just don't get enough of wearing a tie at work, so I felt like I needed to do it on the podcast. So pity podcasts are an audible medium. one who will never leave you flat. Jesus is a friend.